Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue for Amazing Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. A podcast that knows the most critical and poignant of sports takes come between beers four and six. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, reincarnation of Humphrey Bogart. How you been, brother? You know, it's been a long week. We were off last week. I was moving. You had some life things going on as well, so we had to push this one back. But I'm here. I'm excited. Recording from the new man cave. More riled up than Gary Moeller trying to get his loaded nachos out of Excalibur in Southfield, Michigan. Can't wait to talk today. A now defunct chain out of Southfield, Michigan, the Excalibur restaurant, the site of Gary Moeller's demise. We're definitely going to visit that when we go up to the the Wolverine Lions dual weekend. I can't wait to go. We just have to pay homage. Just pour one out up there for him. Pour like a bush light out inside the parking lot, like next door to like a Western Union or something. <laughs> Maybe drink some codeine, get in a fight. See what happens. I'm looking forward to it too, my, my <laughs> man. I can't wait. But yeah, I did not know. We just looked that up right before we started recording why Gary Moeller was let go. And man, we would have had some mileage on this if we were doing the podcast back in those days. Alas. Get the mileage out of it now. You know, what's better than, you know, content in the moment is content 25 years later. So here we go. <laughs> so we're going to take this episode and give you our takes for what we would have said had Gary Moeller, had, <laughs> had we uh, the podcast been around during the Gary Moeller Excalibur incident. 
Oh, man. But actually, what we are doing is uh, we are going to get back into our series. We uh, there is some stuff going on outside of, um, you know, talking on our series here. There's some basketball news. We're going to get to that next week. Uh, any recruiting things you want to touch on? Any other Michigan stuff you want to touch on before we uh, we start detailing the running backs and the wide receivers this week? <clears throat> Yes, you slightly buried the lead there. We'll be back on Thursday with our co-worker and colleague, the mountain of a man, the true just colossus of Rhodes himself, Kellen Voss, the basketball extraordinaire at Mays and Brew. We're going to be talking all things basketball, bringing you two pods this week. I mean, we are the gift that keeps on giving, like, you know, Gary Moeller receiving his ninth and tenth beers. <laughs> and, and this week, uh, as far as things outside of what we're going to discuss already, is recruiting. So keep an eye on recruiting this weekend. This Saturday could start to take, turn the tides for the Wolverines on the recruiting trail. Several players are going to announce or are scheduled to announce. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and uh, hopefully that is the case because as of right now, my concern level, it's creeped up to a 5.2 on the recruiting trail. I think Michigan's taking a little bit of a different approach with the NIL. Like you said, we'll get into it more uh, on the second pod that comes out this week. I think it'll probably come out Friday, don't you think? Because this pod is going to come out Thursday. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it'll be coming out the next day. Just, uh, we'll be recording that evening, so a little peek behind the curtain there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll get into that. We'll get into recruiting. We'll get into uh, the the draftees and the NBA draft and how they fit. Um, yeah, and we've got some decisions coming up on some really important recruits. So kind of biding our time, hoping to hear from some of those guys. But in the meantime, we're going to keep pushing through our series. We are going position group by position group. Get two for one today. We are going to do running backs and wide receivers. You got a preference where we start, sir? Let's go ahead and break it from the top here. Let's do, let's do wide receivers. I like it. I like it. One of the strongest position groups on the team. Uh, last year, I would say, would you say overachieved, underachieved, or as expected last year, considering the loss of Ronnie Bell early on? I say underachieved just because of the loss of Ronnie Bell. Granted, this is a run-first, downhill type of team, and losing Bell led into that. But still, you know, just a little bit slightly underachieved. I think... 600 yards for your leading receiver is, you know, not the greatest number, but if you want to like have a silver lining of it all, the balance of the receivers are there. If you include tight ends into this, but there's a nice balance of everybody with uh, Cornelius Johnson leading the way, Roman Wilson in there as well. Mikey Sainer still with just circus catch after circus catch. So I think it was um, slightly underwhelming, but I'm not going to hold that against them dealing with the Ronnie Bell loss and just the way the offense was constructed. Yeah, there was real concern after the Ronnie Bell injury because we were like, where are these catches going to come from? We had some belief in Cornelius Johnson. He did end up being your leading receiver last year. We did like Eric All, and he had a big breakout year last year, second leading receiver. Um, but then there was big stretches, especially early on in the season, where Cade was getting used to these these new receivers, where it didn't look like there was a go-to guy. Uh, we bemoaned the wide receiver groups on a few podcasts early in the season. I mean, we were winning games, so we weren't like getting too down on them. But I definitely remember you and I discussing at points like we need more out of the wide receiver groups. There were some drops. There was some miscommunications. There was uh, misrun routes and stuff. But you saw this group improve throughout the year. And uh, if Ron Bellamy now will be taking over. He was working with safeties last year, switching over to the wide receivers group. Um, he really he made his bones as a wide receiver. He played for Michigan. I didn't even really remember him. He played in 2002. 
I mean, so he was there with Braylon Edwards and second leading receiver his senior year to Braylon Edwards uh, really did well last year with the safeties. I mean, they were a top 30 pass defense. It's hard to gauge him too much, so I'm not going to cook too much on Ron Bellamy just as a first year coach. Um, this coming into his second year, but I'm excited about him. The players seem to like him as a former wide receiver. I think he's in the right place. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does with this group. I think that he's also an above average recruiter. Um, he coached uh, Michigan high school football, uh, won a state championship. Um, so he is a dude that knows the area and I expect big things from here, him this year. What are your thoughts on Ron Bellamy? I'm a big Ron Bellamy fan. I like the attitude he brings to it. I like the culture fit, just bringing back guys that played at Michigan and really just embody what it means to wear the maize in blue. And to just further on everything you just said, there's also a second coach in the room, and that's Ronnie Bell, because last season after his injury, he really took to like like honing in on that duty of being the coach this team needed. A guy that had been on the field has just a plethora, like tons of experience out there. So he really helped lead a younger group from the sidelines and didn't let his injury, like, didn't let it hurt his impact on this team last year. He still had a massive impact, although he couldn't play. And I think it's going to carry over into this season. You have that kind of leader returning, a player that's been there for several years now, can help lead the way. And so with he and Bellamy together, I think this could be one of the better Michigan years from the receiving unit that we've seen. We've really had deep wide receiver rooms for the last couple years. I mean, I would say since the uh, the Darbo Chesson year was kind of the last year where it was like, well, it's those two guys and then, you know, some names. Uh, but ever since then, you know, you think back on the Tariq Black, Nico Collins, DPJ, uh, and then ever since then, you know, now you're you're swip, you're swapping out new new guys, new names, younger players, but yet the depth has remained. And uh, it starts at the top with Ronnie Bell, like you mentioned. So let's go through the guys that we need to know. Um, and you uh, you hit it right on the head there. Ronnie Bell, the coach in the room, and also the most likely candidate, I think, um, to just have a monster, monster year. That's not breaking news. We all saw what he did uh, last year and, and limited action before going out and just which was a dev- devastating injury. Um, are you seeing uh, you seeing him as number one on this depth chart or does he need to maybe take some time to get back into this? Ronnie, Ronnie Bell is the betting favorite to lead this team this year. He has to be. I think uh, right now he's been clear. There still might be a small learning curve, but he has so much experience and resilience. I think he has to be the odds on favorite to do this. And besides really, I mean, maybe the, the trendy pick of Andrew Anthony, who could you see usurping him as the number one on this team? Andrew Anthony is a good like that's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, Eric all actually, if you're talking about just receptions, if we're talking about a wide receiver that could surpass him there. Um, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, just the way AJ Henning's going to be used. That would be surprising. Uh, Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards is a low key guy that's going to get a ton, a ton of receptions. I wouldn't be surprised if he's lined up as a receiver, like equal amounts that he's lined up as a running back. Um, so I, I mean, Cornelius Johnson's the other name there. He is your returning, um, leading wide receiver, but I just don't see it. I mean, Cornelius Johnson, what, what do you see for his role this year? And, and how do you see that? He continually is just on the cusp of greatness. Like he and Cade McNamara had a connection last year and he was the leading receiver on this team for good reason. Like he could make the plays, he's getting the targets. And it just seems like there's a glass ceiling for CJ like you were higher on him when we were discussing and doing our draft uh, earlier in the spring. 
And I was a lot lower because I'd just been soured by him. It felt like he could never make the play. But I'm rewatching the entire season from last year currently, and he just continually jumps as like, man, he is he is close. He is closer to being an excellent receiver than he is to being a bad receiver. Now, I don't know if that's going to be his entire career is just being a guy that's nearly there. So it's, it's hard to really put a pin in like who he is and who he's going to be. I could see him taking that next step. But for right now, I think he's going to just maybe might get swallowed up by the return of Ronnie Bell and then the emergence of Andrew Anthony. Yeah, it could very well happen. I just uh, I was high on him because I think people had gotten too low on him. So the pendulum had gone a little far for me. I'm trying to swing it back to like, hey, this is a real if this is your third wide receiver, that's an unreal third wide receiver. Like he he doesn't do anything great, but he does everything pretty good. Like I, I don't think there's an elite characteristic like you would say verticality. No speed. No route running. No, um, you know, uh, hands, probably not elite hands, good hands and good route running. But n- none of these things really are elite and like explosiveness. Definitely not. Um, but can he be a really good wide receiver? Absolutely. So that's another guy to know. Um, other guys to know, and this is in no particular order, but we know Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson are going to be out there probably on the field together a lot um, in some capacity. And then the other guys, A.J. Henning, Roman Wilson, Andrew Anthony, Mikey Sainra still, and Darius Clemens. Does that sound about right to you for guys we should know? <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's going to be interesting how it all develops out there on with who's playing where and how the minutes are distributed because Ronnie Bell, you think will be playing out in space as a split end, either X or Y, but there was a stat from PFF when Ronnie Bell might be the best slot receiver in college football when he's used there. Like, so he, you have that element in the room and there's just a lot of pieces and guys you can move around up and down this roster because what if you bring out a lineup of CJ on one split and Eric on the other, Ronnie Bell and AJ Henning in the slots, and then Donovan Edwards in the back? So like you just have all these like mix and match type of pieces. And I want to get to one here, and that's Mikey Sainer still. My one of my two favorite Wolverines. I'm unabashed about that. That's my guy. So how much Mikey Sainer still are we going to see on offense this year? Because we know he's going to be playing corner, like preferably, I mean, most of the time nickel corner or slot corner. and But on offense last year, he was still such a valuable weapon, whether it was catching flea flickers in the Ohio State game, it was the big catch late against Michigan State, although it came down to nothing, or just every game when he had a circus catch, like against Nebraska or against Maryland. So how much Mikey Sainer so are we going to see on offense this year? I think if they had their way, it wouldn't be that much. I think they like him on defense. You don't make that move if you don't like like your depth at one position group more than the other. So I think there was a reason for that. And it makes a lot of sense to me, like what you just mentioned with what if Ronnie Bell is actually better in the slot? Well, then that means maybe Andrell Anthony is your X, Cornelius is your Y, Ronnie Bell's in the slot. And then what does that leave for Mikey Sainer still? Because there's still a couple other names that are probably – but I, I won't say better wide receivers, but a more explosive threat than Mikey Sainer is still there. So I don't think we'll see him a ton. I think we'll see him in like some situations where if he's out there, like maybe it's for one of those gadget plays or to try and let the defense believe there's a gadget play because he knows all that stuff that we ran last year being a super senior. He's been there for a long time. He knows that playbook. So I think he will be out there. But as far as like receptions, I would say probably not a ton for Mikey Sainer still this year. Um, 
I'll I'll uh, take that and go to the next guy that I'm really interested in, and that's A.J. Henning, who we've heard is going to be used in a Debo Samuel-like fashion. So between you know some of these guys we're talking about here, how is A.J. Henning going to be used? What kind of catch rate do we expect for him? Is it going to be more like him and Edwards lined up in the backfield, which is absolutely fascinating. Like you've got three guys potentially with Corum, Henning, and Edwards that you could – line up in the backfield that can all run the ball, catch it. I mean, it, it's fascinating. So how do you see Henning being used? We're going to get more into him later as well with the running back segment because that was just a beautiful transition there. Uh, A.J. Henning, this is my pick for the highest ceiling on this offense because we, he, we saw him drop the first pass in the spring game and then didn't drop anything. I mean, his hands became glue after that, and that's been the one knock on him is just can he consistently catch the football? If he can and get that down and have like the Eric all type of recovery as we saw from 2020 to 2021, AJ Henning could have a monster season because I think he's going to average at least seven touches a game this year. Because when he has the ball in space, good things happen. He's extremely explosive. He has has game-breaking speed. He's very elusive in the open field. And he's big and physical. He has all of the tools you want. He's a great blocker. So if he gets the catch, gets the hands down just a little bit more, I think the sky is the limit for A.J. Henning. This could be a household name kind of guy here in not too long. I mean, with the way that they're talking about using him, because I think there's this misconception that like, oh, they're moving him to running back. Like, we don't really like what he brings as a wide receiver. You and I were there at the spring game in the second row. Like after he dropped that one, he didn't drop anything and the hands look good. I think he's going to make strides as a wide receiver. I think they're using him in that Debo Samuel role because they can and because it just adds this wrinkle. I mean, to go with Donovan Edwards, where it's like, I mean, it's almost like they're they're developing some type of NBA team where it's all about weird mismatches and matchup nightmares and stuff like that. It's great. I love what they're doing, especially on offense. So fascinating guy. Going to be watching him close. Um, of those other names, um, who should we talk about a little bit more in depth? Andrell Anthony. Who you got? Darius Clemens. Who do you want to talk about next? <clears throat> this brings me into a fun game I want to play with you. I want you to give me a one-word association with each player. And then for some of the guys we haven't touched on as much, maybe we can dive into it a little bit. Okay, so uh, the guys we haven't touched on, so the guys to keep an eye on are Christian Dixon, Iman Dennis, Tyler Morris. Uh, the guys to know, as we mentioned, Darius Clemens, Sane Rastill, Andrew Anthony, Roman Wilson, AJ Henning, CJ, and Ronnie Bell. So, all right, uh, so what was the question again? Hit me. Give me your one-word association for each player. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Ronnie uh, Bell resilient Darius Clemens the future that's two words future (laughs) I love your commitment to the rules AJ Henning versatile Cornelius Johnson solid it seems so right you know not bad i mean Um, i can't can't be like explosive like that's got to be reserved for somebody else (laughs) mikey saner still one word utility one last thing i want to say about saner still um you might see him on offense more but your point is still correct about the limited catches because he is an Excellent run blocker, probably the best run blocker of the receiving unit. And this offense is still going to be run heavy. 
It's a great point. You will see him out there, but I think it's going to be for like when you need something like that or like when they're running a play that could go completely ass up if if he's not out there. Exactly. So, all right. Um, next guy, Roman Wilson. Intriguing. That's a guy like we, we may have to like give him at least a minute or two blurb here after this. Yeah, let, let's go into it now. I think Roman Wilson is the fastest guy on this team. And as the season developed, you kept seeing him make big plays. You saw it against Ohio State, caught that pass from McCarthy in coverage. You saw him catch the deep ball from Donovan Edwards against Iowa in, in the Big Ten Championship. So he's shown these flashes. He's an absolute burner. And he can still go up and make those contested hard catches. He's very physical despite his more diminutive stature. And I think... Although he's kind of going under the radar, don't forget he was one two with CJ in the big three like stats for receivers last year. He was the third leading receiver on this team, which surprised the hell out of me when I brought this up. I mean, it's Cornelius Johnson, Eric All, and then a pretty nice size gap. Roman Wilson had 25 receptions for 420 yards last year, three touchdowns. But I mean, he yeah, he he tied for the lead in receiving touchdowns last year. That surprised me. Is that the quietest third leading receiver you can remember? It, it has to be. It's it's very strange, but it's like he was quiet like with regards to his stats, but he was arguably the most explosive guy on the field after Ronnie Bell went out. So I think although like he's kind of falling between the cracks right now, he's a guy that could flash in the first game. Like, oh, I guess we kind of forgot and slept on Roman Wilson a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why we have to do our due diligence here and discuss Roman Wilson. He is, I mean, there's a lot of guys that could pop. And I mean, his name's right up there with Andrell, Darius, the other guys. So, um, uh, yeah, let's uh, with that, let's let's move into uh, Andrell and Darius Clemens. I want to clump these two guys together. The young guns, even though Henning, Roman Wilson are like a year older than Anthony. Um, but Darius Clemens, true freshman, Andrell Anthony um, was a freshman last year. Both of these guys over six foot, big catch radius. Angel Anthony showed that he's an absolute burner last year. Clemens, a lot to like, had a touchdown in the spring game. Um, how do you see these guys being used? Is Does one have a leg up on the other? Um, who pops first? What are your thoughts? Anthony has the leg up because we've already seen the flash. Like he has a year in the system, a year understanding college ball or just simpler things like how to balance class life, get to lifts and things like that. He understands it a little better, played in big moments, played in big games. So he has to have the leg up on Darius Clemens. But that said, Darius Clemens is huge. He is built like an NFL receiver right now. And he's only 18 years old. And we saw like flashes in the spring game that they want to get him involved often and early. So I think he can come on in this season, but this room is so crowded. And with going back to what I said originally about Anthony, but potentially being the guy on this team, I have to lean him in this discussion. I agree with you. I'm going to go Anthony over Clemens just because like, it's going to be so hard for Clemens to climb up this ladder. Just looking at these names, like, like we said, Sainra still might be the the guy, like that's why he got moved to the secondary is because like, we need to allow these other guys to climb up who have a much higher ceiling, but I don't know how much higher Darius Clemens could climb. Uh, what are your one word associations for Andrew Anthony and for Darius Clemens? Or is it one word for this, for both of them? Future for both of them. That's, I think that has to be the one not to pair it together. If I had to pair uh, Andrew Anthony, can I make game breaker? Am I allowed to throw a hyphen in there? Uh, yeah, that is that even one, that might be one word. I mean, for the, for the sake of this, it's one word. 
it's at least the hyphenate. Now, with the three guys we mentioned as guys to keep an eye on with between Christian Dixon, Iman Dennis, and Tyler Morris, who's one guy you're really excited about that could be the Andrew Anthony of last year that goes completely under the radar and then flashes in a big moment? Christian Dixon. Christian Dixon is a guy that we were equally as excited about as Henning and Roman Wilson when he came in. Like they were all like similarly recruited. And it's like, well, I guess we'll see which guys popped. These other guys popped earlier on, but Christian Dixon is still young, still like a four star, still fast, built, um, had some moments like this. It's not like he didn't have any catches. Hang on. I got the stats right here. I will see exactly how many catches Christian Dixon had last year. Uh, one for seven yards. So he had one flash. He had a flash. But that still counts. Uh, so, I mean, but I guess we've seen him in spring games and stuff, too. I mean, I like the look of the player. But Tyler Morris would be number two there. Tyler Morris is an intriguing talent, too. So a four-star, one of the highest recruits of uh, of last year. So keep an eye on him, too. What about you? It's Tyler Morris for me because uh, we haven't seen him in a while. He played his junior football season in the spring of 2021 due to the pandemic. And then he was injured and then obviously missed all this senior year. That was the following fall. So it's been a while since we've seen him. But as a sophomore, he was on the same state championship winning team with J.J. McCarthy. So there's a good rapport there between the two players. He does a lot of things right. He's got very good hands. So if he can come back from the knee injury, I could see him being a sneaky breakout candidate, especially if McCarthy's under center. I like that. I like that. Um, I was going to go with Morris as well. I don't think it'll happen for him this year, just because like we said, that is a gauntlet unless there's injuries. And I am actually knocking on wood right now because I want this unit to stay healthy and I want to see what they're capable of with a fully unleashed JJ McCarthy uh, may have spoiled my, a little bit of the discussion that we've got coming up here um, for quarterbacks, but uh, you know, I said what I said. So uh, all right. A uh, <laughs> couple other superlatives for this group here. Um, let's do this. I want both of our answers. We're going to write them down. I want to try to look back on this and see who got it closest just because I like these exercises. I like being, I like being correct and more often incorrect, but, uh, who leads this group in catches yards and touchdowns last day, uh, last year it was CJ and Roman one and two. Uh, there was a big group all tied with three touchdowns last year. Um, and if it's a tight end, you can answer a tight end here as well. I'm just I'm gonna stick to receivers. Tight ends had their day. I'm gonna got the Eric All jersey in the mail. So I'm gonna stick with the receivers today. I'm gonna say catches. I'm going to say Ronnie Bell. Yards, I'm going to say Ronnie Bell. And touchdowns, I'm going to say Andrew Anthony. Ooh, I like it. Getting a little spicy with the last pick there. I mean, that is a big play receiver waiting to happen. Um, I want to be right. So, um, I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm going to stick with Ronnie in catches, uh, Ronnie in yards. Um, actually, no, 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 no. AJ Henning in yards. I get all purpose yards, right? We'll give you that. (laughs) I just want to win. Uh, and then I'm going to go AJ Henning for touchdowns as well. Henning is the guy I wanted to go to so bad for catches because I anticipate him getting force-fed in some moments this season. Um, All right, piggybacking off of that, I have three questions for you. You ready? Yep, let's go. Michigan has not had a 1,000-yard receiver since 2013 when Jeremy Gallon did it. Does it happen in 2022? 
I wish. I would say that uh, it's unlikely. Um, if it's going to happen, it's going to be Ronnie Bell. And that would probably mean Cade McNamara is his quarterback. So that means a, a step up from Cade McNamara because he would like statistically need to have a lot of a lot of passing yards in order to get there. Um, so I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it comes close, though. Uh, how do you see it? I'm with you. I think it's going to be balanced, but the way this offense is built, you don't waste this offensive line and these running backs just running um, the Mike Leach passing offense. Uh, next question. Michigan has not had a 50-catch receiver since Amara Darbo in 2016. Does it happen in 2022? Let me look at the catches last year. Cornelius Johnson had 40 last year. Um, that's tough. 40 and we played an extra game. I mean, so apparently 50 is a pretty difficult um, yard mark to reach. I didn't realize that. I guess I'll have to say, oh, man, I don't know. If it's Cade and Ronnie, I could see it. Um, I could see them really forming a rapport, but I don't I just don't see it that way. So I'm going to go with no. How do you see it? I'm going to go with yes. I, I think it could happen. Four catches a game for the 12 game season is 48. So if they get one more of the Big Ten Championship or two more at the playoff, it could really help. But I, I think one of these guys is going to get there this season. This is the one I feel really confident in. And the last one I have no confidence in. Michigan has not had a 10-touchdown receiver since Mario Manningham in 07. Does it happen in 2022? And no. I know what your answer is. <laughs> but if it does, how the hell does it happen? You want to say Ronnie Bell, but do you remember that year that Ronnie Bell like couldn't get into the end zone and they were like force feeding him and they were trying gadget plays and like nothing was working like that scares me off a little bit for Ronnie Bell somehow getting 10 touchdowns. That's an obnoxious amount. If it's going to happen, it's going to be A.J. Henning and a lot of them are on the ground. I'm with you 100% on that. I think it's got to be Henning with the mix and the air of the ground. That, that season was so fun. I think it was 19 when um, Ronnie Bell just kept falling down like the, between the, like the seven and the one-yard line. Like He should have had 10 touchdowns that season, but he just kept like tripping over himself or something. It was uncanny. Yeah, it was uncanny. Like the I've never seen somebody get tackled. I mean, and who benefited from it? Was that Khalid Hill? Uh, I don't know who would who would it have been benefiting. Ben Mason, maybe. Yeah, Ben Mason benefiting from that. Yeah, I remember that year. Uh, obviously not specifically, but I remember that year. Yeah. So um, overall, uh, let's uh, let's get some final thoughts on the wide receiver room before we uh, we go to break here. I think this unit is incredibly deep, all by unproven in some aspects of it. I think they're kind of being undervalued for how important they are to this team as far as it goes to uh, formation versatility, what they can do, catching the ball and running the football, especially blocking on the perimeter. That was a big thing last year that everybody noticed, the way this team just blocked together and cohesively. So I think they're going to improve from last season, and all that the numbers might not jump like, crazy just having ronnie bell out there can open things up for everybody else uh you said it perfectly my friend uh nothing really more that i will echo uh, on that i will just add that um the ceiling is extremely high with guys like andrell darius clemens aj henning so uh this group at its absolute best is potentially one of the best we've seen at Michigan in a long time. So uh, very exciting, very exciting and uh, excited to talk after this break about the running backs who, uh, I mean, we can debate that too. I mean, just have an equal claim for one of the most dominant position groups on this team. So we're going to take a break and we will talk that 
right after this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are continuing with our series, breaking down each position group. We did wide receivers in the first half of this podcast. Moving over to the running backs, and I won't say equally as dangerous as a group, but it is. I mean, the 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 depth of the wide receiver room is certainly frightening, but as far as a one-two punch, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, should we just not compare them against one another? I think it's very difficult to do so. The running backs have the best one-two punch of any position group on the team. That's what I'm saying. So extremely excited about this position group. We lose Hassan Haskins, obviously. a uh, I, I don't think that it's hyperbole to say he's a Michigan legend at this point. A man should never buy another beer or mozzarella stick or whatever he wants in Michigan. Um, and in for him comes Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, who we saw a lot of last year. And this is a different running back room, obviously, than, than you know, you lose us on Haskins, who's one of the all-time bruisers, but it's still extremely exciting. So uh, what are your overall thoughts on this running back group coming into this year? Firstly, Hassan Haskins is never going to pay for beer in Excalibur and Southfield. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Nor should he. Secondly, Talking about this unit, it's very exciting because there's a very high ceiling here with uh, both Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards at the top and the versatility they bring. Both can run inside as well as outside. Both can catch the ball outside of the backfield and are improving blockers. So, I mean, the sky is the limit from this group. I think it's the best running back room in as far as the top two are concerned in the country. I think that's how good they can be. They're running behind a great offensive line, so opportunity is going to be there. And they're going to be fed the ball a lot. Between the two, you could see 30, 35 touches between them easily per game. So there's going to be a lot of a, a lot going on there. They're going to be the offensive line will be the straw that serves the drink, or they'll be the drink themselves, and the running backs will be the straw. But either way, I think this could be a very explosive unit and really could have a chance to replicate the numbers that Haskins and Corum put up last season, if not do better. Straw 
glass, drink, I don't care what they are. I am consuming it. I am all there, brother. I am all in. That warmed the cockles of my heart. That was a great breakdown. Uh, Let's talk about Mike Hart, the man in charge of this position group. Man who needs no introduction. You probably don't need to tell me to tell you about Mike Hart, but I'm going to do it anyway. He's the all-time leading rusher in Michigan football history, people. You may remember him. Four years there, uh, he was maybe the f- one of the first people that got me into Michigan football. It was uh, Charles Woodson first, but then it was that, that 06 run around then of those guys, the Mike Hart's, the Mario Manningham's, the Jake Long's, the Chad Henney's. Uh, I grew up watching this guy. He went to Indiana. You know, we were kind of keeping our eye on him. He did some great things over there with Stevie Scott, and then Harbaugh decided you know, it was time to bring this guy over. That was obviously the right call. He was a Broyles Award nominee in 2018. He was a top 25 recruiter by Rivals.com. Um, I mean, he turned around Indiana's running game, made him respectable. So, I mean, I, I, I think this was a home run hire to bring him over. And then we saw last year what this guy can be. Uh, it was the best running back year that I can remember Um I mean, you talk about just the statistics that Hassan Haskins had going over a thousand yards. You had uh, Blake Corum coming up just short. And I mean, probably I won't say probably would have gone over a thousand yards if healthy. So should have produced 2000 yards running backs, put one into the fourth round of the NFL draft and Hassan Haskins. Uh, This is just a the, the definition of a homegrown legend. Another guy that once again, if he ever wants a beer at a Chili's and Excalibur, wherever he's at, this man, it's on the house because of what he's done for this program. And uh, I mean, if we had 20 more minutes, I couldn't say enough about Mike Hart. This guy's doing a tremendous job and just uh, what a great addition to the staff. Absolutely. And he's one of the just adjacent reasons that uh, former offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis left for Coral Gables to take over at Miami, because when the rumors of Harbaugh to the Vikings were circulating, Gaddis was offended that, you know, or at least allegedly offended that he was not being seriously considered to take over for the head coach if Harbaugh had gone to Minnesota. And the rumors swirling were that Mike Hart was going to be the guy taking over, having the Michigan man in charge again, like I said, the former Broyles Award finalist. So that's how highly the university thinks of him. And it was a home run move to bring him in with absolutely no downside. And in his first year there, they have a historic output turned Hassan Haskins from converted linebacker to Michigan legend. And now Blake Corum is on the verge himself. It's unbelievable what what he's been able to do. But at the same time, if you watched him run, just the determination that he ran with, never the biggest guy out there, um, it it shouldn't surprise you what he's been able to do. And like you said, historic output last year. So um, I don't know if I buy the Mike Hart is being groomed to become the next head coach but there's a couple Michigan legacies now on this staff and they really believe in that. And, you know, so far it's hard to argue with the results. So um, I I hope that is the case. And if Mike Hart is coaching the head coach of this team in 2035, I mean, I'm probably getting some sort of tattoo or writing a hymn or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'd take Mike Hart and I'd take Sharon more in a heartbeat over pretty much anybody else around. So I think the staff is in great hands. But let's get back to some of these backs here. We touched on the names everybody knows, and that's Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, who need no introduction for anything they're going to bring to the team next season. I want to touch on some of the smaller guys. So assuming third string is Tavier Dunlap, who we saw in a limited role last year. And then, you know, guys to watch that go deeper into the roster a little bit because like Hassan Haskins, who like rise up from being fifth on the depth chart to a starter by the end of the season like he did in 2018, 
these guys could play a factor. So the names to watch here are Isaiah Gash, Leon Franklin, Kalel Mullings, who we saw show a little something in the spring game, which was surprising, and the aforementioned A.J. Henning in a Debo Samuel type of hybrid role. Out of those names, who is the guy that is going to step up when Cormer Edwards just undoubtedly just get a little bit banged up in the middle of the season? Yeah, that's a tremendous question. We know it's going to happen. There's never been, uh, I mean, I don't have this stat. I'm just making this up, but rarely will you see throughout a power five conference college football season that an entire running back room goes through an entire season without some sort of injury, somebody missing some kind of time. It's extremely likely that somebody will. So when that happens, who gets elevated to number three, or if Tavi Dunlap gets, you know, gets injured himself you know who who steps into that role so uh it's interesting we saw a lot of Kalel Mullings at the spring game so I'm leaning that direction but um Leon Franklin you know another name that's been with the program for a while Isaiah Gash has had a flash or two there's not really much to go on you're not going to find a ton of tape on those two guys um but using AJ Henning more in that Debo Samuel role is interesting in that maybe it takes some of the wear and tear off of those guys being as how there is no Hassan Haskins anymore. Hassan Haskins is not a real human being. Um, He is a Decepticon and he can take as many hits as you throw at him. So that without that, like you need to keep some of the wear and tear and the hits off of Corman Edwards. So I think it'll be about sprinkling some of these other guys in and you know, we'll, we'll get up to the guys to know and that's Tavier Dunlap too, but he'll be a part of that as well. So, Finding one of these guys and then using the Henning carries to take some of the load off is key. But as far as which of the three it's going to be, your guess is as good as mine, bro. I think it's honestly reserved by committee, which isn't an expression that gets thrown around a lot. But to help preserve the top two running backs here, let's see what you have with the third string guy. Don't commit to one. Just see what Tavi Dunlap brings. See what Leon Franklin brings. Gash makes and mix in the Henning minutes there as well. And I think that could help keep them healthy because both guys last year were banged up. And we'll get into him a little bit now with Edwards and Corum. And Corum especially, like he has struggled to stay healthy. He's a smaller just in height. The guy is built like a bowling ball. He's over 200 pounds at 5'8". Let's not be ridiculous here. He's not a small fella. But still, a little more susceptible to injury. And Edwards as well because you remember against Indiana last year, it was Hassan Haskins and Hassan Haskins for the entire game. So these guys need to stay healthy, but man, when they are healthy, watch out. I mean, going into game one, we're going to have likely both of them healthy and you'll get to see just like an, an idea, a glimpse of what this could be because the hypothetical of it is insane. So I agree with you. I think it'll be reserved by committee. I think Tavi Dunlap, if he shows anything. I think you maybe want to start working him early in the season, and you'll probably see a lot of him early in the season just because of the way the schedule sets up. So um, before we get over to uh, to the main guys, um, which which one of these other reserves do you have in mind? Though? Do you think Kalel Mullings rises to the top, or does he kind of lurk there in between that linebacker running back role? Like if we have to pick a name, which name are you picking? I'm going to go with Mullings, actually. like uh, I like Tavi Dunlap, but I just think it's more of the same there, still a little bit undersized. You need a bruiser. You need that third and one. You need those that third and two who's going to just like, go right into the A-gap and fire through it with you know reckless abandon. I think that is Kaleo Mullings, reserve linebacker. They're bringing him over for a purpose. I think it's because he got passed up on the depth chart at linebacker by people like 
Velasquez and Nikai Hill Green and all of those characters. So I think there's a reason he's coming to running back, and I really hope it's for these short yarded situations because this team has not had a true fullback in a few years now. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, maybe it's recency bias seeing what Hassan Haskins was able to do as a converted linebacker, but I think it's going to be Mullings as well. So I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Uh, Not a ton of flash at the spring game, but you could kind of tell there was something there. It looked like there was maybe something there. So, um, all right, we need to get over to uh, to the the main course. But speaking of main courses, we got to talk about Home Field Apparel, who is the main course of my entire wardrobe. It makes up about 78% of it. That is an accurate description. And, uh, you know, they show up on my porch reliably. And that's because I keep ordering because they've got the old school and new school designs that I need. They got everything Michigan covered, any college program that you need. Go to homefieldapparel.com. You can find it there. Makes a great gift for a loved one. And you can get 20% off your first purchase when you use the code MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right. The guys to know here, uh, we've already kind of touched on them. We believe the order is Quorum 1, Edwards 2, Dunlap 3, right? Let's just get that out of the way. Correct? Correct. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, Blake Corum's workload. Do we believe that he is going to be running the ball? Is this a 20-a-game, 20-carry-a-game guy once we get into the Big Ten schedule? I think you got to cap Corum somewhere between 15 and 20. Not to debate semantics here, but I just – I get very nervous. I'm, I, I've mentioned I'm in the rewatch of the season, and when Corum is healthy, he is so explosive and dangerous, and I don't want to run the risk of really getting in and testing the depth with him getting hurt just by getting to the 25 or 26 carry type of performance, especially with Edwards coming on and being a little bit bigger and what you can do with both these guys in space. You could give Corum 15 right rushes and then give him five more touches in space, like get him out there so a little less likely to get injured. But I think you have to be savvy with the way you get both these guys the ball to preserve the health. I'm totally with you. I'm also on my season rewatch. And, uh, you know, part of the problem is when you get into these offseason podcasts is like the last thing you remember is what really uh, informs your discussion. But when you go back and watch early season, early season was all Blake Corum. He was a Heisman finalist and it shows in those early rewatches. He is unbelievable when fully healthy. And I mean, that's why, you know, we were we were counting the days between that injury and the Ohio State game. Like, well, if we have him at full health, like, I mean, we have a chance in this game. He didn't end up being at full strength in that game, but he had enough and he was still able to contribute. But when this guy is completely healthy, like, I'm sorry. I mean, Travion Henderson is awesome, but like this might be the guy that I'm taking in the Big Ten as the number one running back. Like he is unreal. He was good enough that Zach Charbonnet had to transfer. That dude like led the Pac-12 in rushing, you know, I mean, and, and Zach Charbonnet probably is still third on this depth chart. That's a crazy thing to even talk about. Like even last year, you and I were joking around like, you know, Charbonnet went back home and played for UCLA and rushed for a ton of yards, but here, it would have been difficult to get on the field with all the talent here. But that said, with how good Quorum is, Donovan Edwards could be the guy to even knock him off because he brings so much versatility. As you saw against Maryland with the 10 catch, I believe 150 yards receiving, the bomb. He's, he had the best throw of the season last year in the Big Ten Championship with the hit he absorbed and the deep throw to Roman Wilson. So that was going to be my next question to you is, who is we both agree Blake Quorum is running back against Colorado State. Who is number one running back against Ohio State? Man, I mean, uh, 
I am all there on the Donovan Edwards hype train. I mean, I am up there in the engine steam feeding that thing, but um, I still think it'll be Corum. I still think you want it to be Corum. I mean, there's no reason to rush Corum out the door just because we love uh, what Edwards could be. I love what Corum could be, and Corum probably is closer to an every down back. I mean, the dude is like an absolute warrior out there. I mean, they called him G.I. Joe. Like the dude, the mass of that man. Just like the, the density of his torso, like it's unbelievable. Um, not much to talk about a young man's torso, but that one stands out. Uh, he, he's unbelievable, and, and then like he has the Barry Sanders thighs, like just unbelievable build for that guy. Like he's a workout warrior. So I think I, I kind of want to tone it back a little bit on the like, well, he can't take the punishment because I think like he is stronger than we're giving him credit for it's just it's a grueling season a power five especially the big 10 that's a grueling season to do the 20 plus carries um so it's if he's healthy it's still quorum but i also made the call and i will reiterate it here that i think at one point donovan edwards gets some type of heisman buzz it'll probably be early in the season but like that's how high i am and on it on edwards and and when we're ready to make the transition to him i'm locked and loaded I think it's a coin flip by the time it gets to Ohio State, to be honest, with what both guys bring. And honestly, I think the one thing that stands out to me for Corum to take the next step above the durability is just reliably catching the football and protecting the football. Because we saw against Michigan State, he got a case of the drops and it kind of plagued him the rest of the season. You saw ball security there. You saw ball security against Georgia. He put one on the ground as well. So that's another thing he really needs to cover up because that's a place where Edwards could find, you know, a hole to wiggle through and like usurp him there as the starting running back. But those are both things. And knowing the way Corum works out, he's up at 5 a.m. every day posting that he's just like at the facility, just taking a picture of like he's putting the work in. So there's if there's one player I'm not going to count out to get better, it's going to be Blake Corum. And I have some questions for you if you're ready for these. I'm always ready for questions, Andy. All right. Over under. 1,327 rushing yards for Corum this year. It sounds like a random number, but that was the Son Haskins total from last year. Oh, I know it. I have it brought up right now. Um, wow. If, if he's healthy, it's over. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go over, you know, I'm sick of, I'm sick of being cautious. I really like Corum this year. I mean, and I'm not going to bet on an injury. That's just, that's not what I'm on this podcast to do. So I'm going to say he does stay healthy. And if he's healthy, yeah, I would say over. I think 1500 yards is very doable. How do you see it? If, if you bet on an injury or you're taking the over, like your mom's a, not a great person. Like just put, <laughs> just put it that way. <laughs> Leave the mothers out of this. I had to catch myself there. No, I'm with you. I do because early in the season he was, I mean, he was all over the place. I mean, just like like with trajectories and like I said Heisman buzz. So you couldn't go anywhere without seeing Blake Corum being running back one. So it's like as much as like we revere Haskins for what he did, which was more than deserved, especially against Ohio State. Like lest we forget that Corum was like the headline there for a while. So uh, next question. Five over under 500 rushing yards for Donovan Edwards. He had 174 last year as the third string. Wow. Um, this actually, I'm probably more confident about the over than the, uh, than the quorum. Um, but it does seem unlikely that both go over. That's a monster year. Although we, we could win the Joe Moore again. I love our offensive line. So that plays into this. So yeah, over I'm pounding the over on that one. 
That that seems over that Haskins seems like, did thirteen twenty seven and Quorum had nine hundred. Like, let's go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm pounding that over. Yeah. So what are we doing here? Of course. Yeah. How do you see that as an over too, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. This offensive line is going to be better. Um, all right. Next one. This is where it gets interesting. Over under five hundred receiving yards for Donovan Edwards. He had two sixty five last year. Over. I'm pounding. I mean, I'm all in on this group and uh, I've got some questions for you before we sign off about like the two groups we just discussed. Um, but I, I, I'm over on that when he had 265. We didn't even really start utilizing him till like six games into the season. We didn't realize what we had. And then once we realized what we had, the dude was lining up wide, like just as wide as Cornelius or as often as Cornelius Johnson was. So, yeah, 500 easy. I love it. I'm all the way. I'm all the way there. To be at 150 against Maryland, like let's. Like, That's what I'm on. saying. That's, he could. Not he could just don't get cute. He could have 200 in a game this year, and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm saying he could get Heisman buzz, so that means giant numbers. So yeah, I'm in. All right, this group, these two combined for 16 touchdowns last year, over under 25 this year. Uh, 16 touchdowns from the running backs last year. No, no, for Corum and Edwards. Oh, for Corum and Ed- Edwards, and we're saying 25. Uh, I'll say under, actually. I think there's got, there's a lot of other mouths to feed. Uh, neither one is really a goal line guy. Corum could develop into a bit of a goal line guy, like we mentioned. I mean, he's way strong. Like, I would not want to fight that dude. Are you out of your mind? Um, I mean, he's he's built like a refrigerator, like a, actually more like a double-stack washing machine. And... I, I, yeah, so I, but I don't see him being the goal line guy. There's going to be somebody else that emerges, like you mentioned, Kalel Mullings. That's very intriguing thought. So I'll say just under. How do you see it? I'm with you there for as well. I mean, I, I, I'd love to inject some parity here, but I think just to echo what you said was the goal line back factor. And you want to keep him healthy. There's no reason to be cute with stats unless somebody like gets early, like gets midseason Heisman buzz, like you want to just pat him a little bit, but. Let's let's not do that. Let's just keep him healthy. Let's give some of these to Kalel Mullings. Hell, give them to Leon Franklin for all I care, as long as you preserve their health. But yeah, that's the only under I would bet on. All right. I want you to rank of the Harbaugh years. This is putting you on the spot a little bit. The best running back depth chart that we've had of the Harbaugh years. Just top three, including this year and last year. Basically, it's comparing this year to last year. And then the Quran, the one year we had Quran Higdon and Davion Smith overlap. If you want to, last year has to be number one. Like it, it's that's it's unassailable. Twenty twenty one is the number one year. Um, number two is interesting. I'm going to um, I'm going to go a little. I, I think I I do think this year could be number two. Like I I want to put that out there. Like think they have that potential. But as far as the Quran year, the twenty eighteen years, one we're referencing with. Uh, Chris Evans was still there. True Wilson. Wasn't Ty Isaac um, there too? Was Ty Isaac still there? He was gone. He was 16. 16, yeah. Yeah. uh, I I like the 2019 running back room because that was the year you had Charbonnet leading the way the first half of the season and then Haskins taking over the second half of the season, including the Notre Dame rain game where he just went crazy. I love that year of running back room. That really speaks to Hassan Haskins and what we're missing with that. Cause I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Like, I mean, just the durability of those two backs too. And I mean, Haskins still had some breakaway big game ability to him as well. Um, but I agree with your other statement that this group could surpass that. 
Um, which one is the, I mean, obviously top to bottom, it's got to be running backs, but which is the more impactful unit wide receivers or running backs this year? It's running backs because of the offensive line. Like the offensive line is, like I said, Joe Moore award winning last year and what they're bringing in this year with Ola Watimi and then Trente Jones at right tackle. It, it's because of them that it's running backs in the way this offense is constructed. If this offensive line wasn't as good, I could really see a case for the receivers, but there's too much uncertainty there to pick them from, from my taste. I agree. The other thing to keep an eye on is the depth of the wide receiver room. Two wide receivers could get injured, and we're still going to be bringing in guys that are game breakers. If we lose two running backs, it could derail our season. Exactly. So it's like with, with that group, it's 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 so it's the top heaviness of the running backs that really just give me the 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 decision there because like Donovan Edwards throwing the ball like what he can do all over the field as well because he could be a dark horse I mean I, I don't think they would have him return anything where both guys won't return anymore I would assume you know uh, who, do you think either would what uh return after this oh no 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 I would not imagine yeah. so I mean you can't risk that like we were saying this is all going to be about mitigating hits uh protecting them I mean I think they realize that I mean especially Harbaugh I mean he's that's a, that's a dude that's been around football a little bit. So I think he recognizes these things that the, us two podcasters drinking four to five Budweiser's per podcast have have figured out. So, yeah, you got to protect these guys. And uh, I think they'll find ways to do that. The, the Henning cog of this is fascinating, like the fact that he you know, we can discuss him in both groups. And and this is a guy I took him in the draft because I was like, I just got a feeling this is going to be a weapon for this Michigan team. And man, we're uh I mean, it's basically in July now. That means next month there's football. I mean, I'm 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 skipping a few days, but like that's where we're at in this process now. It's it's time to start getting excited. More touchdowns next year, including special teams, offense, rushing, and receiving. AJ Henning or Donovan Edwards? That is a tremendous question. That is so difficult. Uh, because I think Henning's going to be returning punts probably, right? Yeah, I mean you keep yeah. Henning back there returning punts. He may return kicks. So let's give him let's give him two. Let's be generous there. Uh, I'm going to give him three end arounds. I'm going to give him two receptions. Um, and then Edwards, man, Edwards though could go crazy for three, four in a game. I'm going to go Edwards. If I'm saying he's getting Heisman buzz, I got to go Edwards. I got to stick to my guns on this. But that's a tough one. That's a really good question. Henning could like he, Henning could be used all year long like that. And like he could just be a slow, steady like, oh, yeah, there's one. Oh, there was an end around touchdown. Oh, he returned a punt against Indiana. That's interesting. Like I could easily see that for Henning. Just what the Michigan offense could do with five wide receivers to get the personnel in the front you like and then move A.J. Henning into the backfield and shift into power or something the way the receivers block is fascinating to me. Uh, all right. I have to hit you with this and then we'll call it because we got to get out of here. But you're running it out against Ohio State. You're the offensive coordinator. What are the skill position guys that you're running out to be to make Ohio State sweat? Like what's the crazy, what's your dream, like crazy nonsensical lineup? All right. Because of what I can do with it and distress people out. I always like the 2011 Patriots offense became the first offense to ever run more out of shotgun than under center 
nerd corner. So my unit across the board is split end on the left. I'm going Eric all. So, all right. I'm coming into the slot here. I'm going Henning. Great. On the other side, I'm going in the slot. I'm going Donovan Edwards. Oh, man. At the other receiver, I'm going Ronnie Bell. Yep. At running back, I'm going Corum. And at quarterback, we'll have that debate next week. So across the skill position players, you have Eric All, you have A.J. Henning, Corum in the backfield. Uh, That is Donovan Edwards, and then you have Ronnie Bell. So you're giving up a little bit there, but there's so much versatility. You can move players in and out. You can go five wide. You can go power with a full house backfield look. So you come out with something like that, they're not going to know what the hell to do, especially since they have that – former OK State defensive coordinator who likes to run the three three five. I love it. Man, I was not expecting that. Yeah, you should drop the clipboard after that. That was quite the analyses. I love Nerd Corner. That was great stuff. And you're absolutely right. Like you could the, the combinations of personnel that you can throw out is gonna be absolutely outstanding. And we saw a lot of it um, you know, against Ohio State towards the end of the season. Um, we'll see if this, uh, this offensive staff can take, uh, take advantage of the depth that they have, because man, you just got me excited. That was, uh, uh, that was poetry. You have no idea how bad I wanted to look you dead in your eyes and just be like Joel Honigford (laughs) (laughs) at all positions. Isaiah Gash. Put him him out in space. (laughs) Get Honigford in space, baby. Trent A. Jones putting on the number 80. He's a tight end now. You talk about a fun lineup would be something like uh, you run trips to one side with Schoonmaker, Eric All, and A.J. Henning, and then you put Ronnie Bell isoed one-on-one on the other side. Oh, and I, I absolutely love it. And then have Edwards somewhere in your backfield too, just to be like, I mean, the thread of that guy leaking out somewhere or going the op- yeah. opposite the flow of the defense. Like, I mean, he could absolutely dictate. Oh my gosh. It's going to be fascinating. And like, um, I guess we should have talked about this last week, but like, is there crazy pressure on Sharon Moore right now? And Matt Weiss. Cause like, I mean, I, we kind of touched on this, but like, Dude, like we were able to utilize this offense extremely well last year. Like you can't mess this up. I think the pressure is pretty high on those guys. Just like as we talk this through about the weapons we have, you can't mess this up. There's some pressure, but Sharon Moore has a great advantage of coaching the most important unit on this offense. And that is the offensive line. And again, they're going to be a powerhouse and with a good offensive line, you can beat really good teams, even with below average skill players, which Michigan certainly does not have. I'm with you. Um, I think early on in the season, you'll see them rely on that run game. They'll get everyone comfortable. They'll, they'll get comfortable with themselves and they'll start to figure out what works in this offense, which is kind of what we saw last year. Like Josh Gaddis wasn't somebody that we were banging on the table for to start out last season. But by the end of the year, we're like, Oh my gosh, like look at what this guy is doing. He's got them completely off balance. So I'm, fully there for giving Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss that opportunity, but uh, they're going to have to prove it. And um, you know, it's, it's a not an easy schedule next year. It's easier than last year's, but we still got to go on the road for Ohio state. And that's really what this is all about. So uh, this was a great discussion, man. I really enjoyed this. These are two of the position groups. I think we're probably most excited to watch. And uh, we're only 68 days away as we record this, it'll be 66 when this comes out. So we are inching ever closer and, 
the content will start to ramp up uh, next. Or we got one more pod coming out this week. All things go according to plan. We're going to touch on some basketball. Going to bring in our boy Kellen Voss from over at Mason Brew to talk about that. Talk about uh, Yusef Kayat, Yo-Yo. Uh, really excited about him. That's going to be, you got to you gotta watch some tape if you haven't uh, before we record that. Have you had a chance yet? I've watched a little bit. I've been more just deeper into football. You and I bring the little, the yin and yang here, the good balance in the offseason. And I've what I've seen, though, I really like it. I just love the the friendly foreigner European Twitter presence. I really like that and appreciate it. It's pleasant. It's pleasant. I agree. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, anything else from you, my friend? Uh, nothing much, man. I'm firing up Michigan, Indiana from last season tonight. So can't wait to dive into like, <laughs> bowling over Tom Allen. Your commitment inspires us all, my brother. I absolutely love it. Uh, I will be starting and continuing my rewatch this week. So uh, I'll be right there with you, man. Can't wait. Uh, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mason Brew. I'm Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. Go blue.